For a long time in the pandemic, uh, our dinner table was small, which is to say Linda and myself and Joshua, who at that time lived with us at the beginning of the pandemic, uh, were the folks who shared together at the table. Uh, Hannah came home to visit a couple of times during the pandemic and the table got a little bit bigger. But during the pandemic, our table seemed to shrink. And on Sunday mornings, they seemed small as well because of course, you all, many of you were watching us on stream live. And what that meant was, whether you knew it or not, in this room, there were six of us, sometimes seven, but usually six, sometimes five. There were Mark and Joy who were running tech, sometimes with the addition of Mark Hayes. Uh, uh, there were uh, Megan and James who were singing for us and leading us in worship. And then Linda and I were here for uh, the preachy, Communiony, Sandy out parts of it all. And there were uh, six of us in this space and it became a very intimate table. And as much as we tried to reach out across the space, it didn't always feel like you felt connected. I would hear from you, I really wish I could be there. It doesn't feel the same and it doesn't. Nothing quite feels the same and it still doesn't feel quite the same even now. Uh, last weekend, Linda and I went to and performed a wedding and went to an engagement party. Yesterday, one of Joshua's friends invited us to come to a wedding that was in Hampton Roads uh, in Newport News area. And so we went down on Friday and spent the night at my parents' house uh, and got to see mom and dad uh, a little distanced. Uh, we didn't wear masks. We were all four breathing the same air in the house, but we shared at the table. Uh, we sat and ate on Friday night. We, got, we ordered out dinner and got to enjoy the dinner together. And so we shared dinner. And then on Saturday morning, as is my father's habit, uh, he got up and made us all uh, bacon a pound of bacon for, uh, for the four of us, uh, you know, because, uh, you know, we need a pound of bacon, you know, uh, and, and so daddy cooked us bacon and then we had oatmeal together around table, all of us shared in that kind of service. Um, there's just something about sitting at table, which is why this has been so important, why I felt like this series it, 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 why it rose up in me and I felt like I wanted to talk about it because table is that place. Jesus hangs out at the table all the time. He will preach and then he goes to somebody's house and he eats and it's like a party. This table that we have up here is meant to be a party. Now I may just have freshly baked bread and a cup with grape juice in it, but in the end, it's meant to be a party. It's meant to remind us of the fact that God celebrates us. You know, we're meant to celebrate God. That's why we get together and do this worshipy thing. We're celebrating God. But even before we remember to celebrate God, God is celebrating us. God celebrates that we are each unique, made precious, and made to fit into all of this thing. 
And the, know, the reason I know that God celebrates us is because of today's story I want to share with you. Today we're going to talk a little bit about table as an invitation to serve, uh, table as service. We've, many of us have experienced table service where somebody brings us food and we sit and watch them bring it to us and uh, say nice things to them, engage in conversation, and then eat. Uh, that's often what we do as a part of the whole thing. But this story about, uh, this story about table service is a surprising server who shows up at the meal. This is from the Gospel of John, chapter 13, and I'm beginning with verse 3. Jesus, knowing that the Father had given all things into his hands and that he had come from God and was going to God, got up from the table, took off his outer robe, and tied a towel around himself. Then he poured water into a basin and began to wash the disciples' feet and to wipe them with a towel that was tied around him. After he had washed their feet, had put on his robe, and had to return to the table, he said to them, Do you know what I have done to you? You call me teacher and Lord, and you are right, for that I am. So if I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. For I have set you an example that you should do as I have done for you. Very truly I tell you, slaves are not greater than their master, nor are messengers greater than the one who sent them. If you know these things, you are blessed if you do them. This is a word from the Lord. Thanks be to God. Jesus, knowing that the Father had given all things into his hands, that he had come from God and was going to God, got up from the table, took off his outer robe, and tied a towel around himself. I look at this story and, um, you know, you see a lot of depictions of Jesus. I, I've seen all sorts of pictures. In my, in my home church, there are these beautiful stained glass windows. And there's Jesus with a lamb on his shoulders. Uh, there is, you know, there's Jesus knocking at the door. Uh, there are all these stories told in these windows. The origin, of course, of uh, stained glass windows was from the days when we were illiterate and we couldn't, we couldn't didn't know the stories, couldn't read them for ourselves. So they put the pictures in the windows so you would know what the story was. There are lots of different depictions, but one I don't see quite as often is Jesus virtually naked, kneeling at the feet of his disciples and washing their dirty, filthy feet. Washing them. Jesus, it says in verse 3, uh, Jesus knew that he had received all things in his hands and that it was up to him. It was up to him how to live out uh, this truth. God had given him a task, but the way he would live out that task was completely within his own choice, his own purview. How do I best 
reflect that which God has given me. And the interesting thing is we think, oh, that's all about Jesus. That's about us. Each of us given the choice to respond as we will. All things are given into our hands. No, you don't own the world. No, you can't call down fire from heaven. I pretend like I can sometimes when I'm trying to be cute. You know, don't make me call down fire from heaven. Uh, but the bottom line is I can't do those things. I don't have the same things, but when it comes to choice, Jesus was given all the things he needed to choose in this moment how we would live what he would do, how he would exemplify what it means to be a people of the table. It was given into his hands to make that decision. And part of what reminded him of who he was is Jesus knew he had come from God and was going to God. Now you again, once again, when I first read that, I think this is all about Jesus. Jesus came from God and Jesus went back to God. But if you think about it, that's also us. No, we are not the only begotten children of God. But we are made by God, and to God we will return. If we knew our origin story, where do we come from? We come from God, and we're going to God. Doesn't that kind of give you a sense of what really matters in life? Not all of the stuff that we think we pile up and will make a big difference that, guess what, by the way, you don't get to take with you. Um, it's not any of those things. The fact that your origin story is God. You bear the image of God. Every one of you in this room and online bear the image of God. You came from God and you're going to God. You have that opportunity in the way you make choices, as it said in that first part. Jesus held those choices in his hand. And holding those choices in his hand and knowing where he came from, he recognized that what being about God's business is, it's about emptying. It's about emptying yourself. It's not about accumulating stuff to yourself. It's about emptying yourself. It's about giving yourself away over and over and over again. It's about sharing yourself in ways that transform life for other people. The story goes on to say, in a powerful way, Jesus, knowing that he came from God and was going to God, got up from the table took off his robe and tied a towel around his waist, got down on his knees and washed the disciples' feet. He did something you don't do in polite, in polite company. He took off his outer robe. He essentially stripped more or less naked. He became vulnerable. He gave it up. All of the pretense and pretension of what a robe says about who you are, whether it's a St. James cool shirt like I have, or whatever shirt you happen to be wearing, or pants, or dress, or whatever it happens to be, 
He took all the pretense and said, none of that matters. And he took it off and stood vulnerable and open to his disciples, having emptied himself of that last pretense that stood between him and, uh, and, the, and the disciples. And then he did something with his, uh, with his body. And I think that one of the things we forget as people of faith, we, we think that our relationship with God's all happens here. Sometimes when we're really thinking about it, we think it happens here, you know, in the heart, in our emotions. But you see, God also gave us bodies, and I don't think it was an accident or a mistake or any other kind of thing. We know God in these as well. And sometimes we need reminders. We need reminders of that connection. Now, this is the posture of service. This is the posture of service. On your knees. On your knees. This is what Jesus did to those disciples. Imagine your master and your teacher takes off his robe, drops to his knees with a towel tied around him and water in a basin. And he washes your feet. Washes your feet. Now, I don't repeat these words because I don't know any others. It's because the impact and power the God of the universe knew where he came from, knew he held everything in his hands, knew he came from God, he was returning to God, and that he was at table as master and Lord with his disciples. And he got up from that table, took away all the trappings of what made him look like a teacher and Lord, filled a basin and got on his knees because the table is service. The table is an invitation to recognize who you are, where you came from, why you matter, and what you can do about it. Because if you know who you are, and you know the God who knows who you are, you know you are invited, not commanded, invited to empty yourself. After Jesus washes the feet of the disciples, there's a piece I skipped. Peter says, you can't wash my feet. Uh, Jesus says, oh, you don't have a part of me, blah, blah, blah. Yes, Peter says whatever comes to his mind. We all know Peter is the problem disciple. It's the foundation of the church, but he's the problem disciple because he doesn't seem to know when he doesn't need to talk, just says whatever comes to his mind. If that's you, then that section can remind you Peter doesn't get it either. And he's right there with Jesus. However, Jesus gets it, washes his feet, gets up, puts his robe back on, sits at the table. Do you know what I've done for you? I've showed you a model about how you are meant to be in this world. It's not about you. I didn't come into this world so that you could have the privilege of being an insider and everybody else an outsider. 
I came into this world so you would serve everybody else. Because if the God of the universe who made everything, everything, emptied himself, got down on his knees and washed the feet, the dirty, filthy, foul feet of his disciples, then who are we to say that's beneath us? Who are we to say that's beneath us? That's the call of us all. Now, the way we get on our knees and kneel and serve the world looks different for every one of us. But at the very least, it needs to recognize where you came from, that the choice is yours, and as, a, as knowing where you come from and where you go, you can do something, the something you were meant to do in this world, whatever it is. I got a beautiful Facebook message that popped up this morning uh, from one of the ASP staffers. Not that I currently serve in a. Oh, there we go. Got to touch things. Um, but one that I met the last time I went to volunteer in person uh, that we sent a team, which was in 2019, and I met Madison and. Uh, uh, it turns out we knew, uh, we had a lot of connections. The world is small, the universe is small and infinite at the same time. But one of the things she said, she was sending greetings to me, uh, but in addition to sending those greetings, she said, you helped me and others feel seen. Feel seen. You know, that's not a special gift I have, although it is. It's a special gift you all have. What would it be like if when you're in line at Target, you looked in the eyes of the person on the other side of the glass from you, and now they're or plastic or whatever the thing is anymore. What would it be like to look in their eyes and to see them and let them know they are seen? What's it like when you walk in the mall and maybe you don't walk in the mall? I don't do it very often, but every once in a while I find myself in the mall uh, with my mask on, careful, careful, careful. And I see somebody sweeping up. They're wearing their mask and they're sweeping up. And I say to them, you know, thanks for keeping this place clean. I know you get paid to do this. I know it's your job, but thanks. What's it like to be seen no matter what you're doing? Politicians, presidents, judges, they all expect to be seen. They sit up there and if you don't see them, they let you know you haven't seen them. They'll even punish you a little bit sometimes if you don't act like you've seen them and recognized how important they are. God doesn't care if you recognize them. Maybe God does. God really does care if you see everyone. The child, the hungry, the homeless, the broken, the alienated, the abused, the sexual trafficked. All of those people are people. And somebody thought they could sell them. That's messed up. We have to look and we have to see. 
everyone. Jesus saw the disciples and knew they needed to see what it looks like to be servants. It's not about the privilege of this table. It's about the gift of this table that empowers us to be in service, to take the posture of a servant. The posture of a servant. And to live like that. To live like that. That's the call of the table. Yes, we miss each other and we don't get to be together. Some of us come, some of us don't feel safe to come yet. Perfectly fine, some of us can't come. Many of us watch from far away and won't come. It'd be a lot to fly in every Sunday morning, pop in for worship, and then fly back. Lord knows flying these days is an adventure. But to feel that sense of service to the world around us, called to it as we are. So my invitation to you, I often forget to invite you to do something. Remember the choice is yours. You get to choose. Remember where you come from and where you're going to. No, you're not Jesus, but like Jesus, you were made by God. Jesus was born of God. We don't need to get into the theology of the whole thing. You were made of God. You come from God and you go to God. Now, can you serve one another? Can you see one another? Can you love one another? Recognizing that everyone you meet has come from God and is going to God. And that the posture that you can take physically that reminds you of who you are. Some of you can't kneel, it's okay. Some of you can't get down on the floor. If you do, you can't get back up. I'm not asking you to do things that are impossible for you. But in your mind, what does it look like to kneel? To kneel. When I do it, I feel something in my body that reminds me of who I am. God's servant and yours. So practice. Practice serving others. It's a powerful story. If Jesus can do it, none of us are above it. We are called to it. One of the things we do every week as we pray together, you probably do it every day. I do it every day. I suspect you do too. Each in our own ways. That's one of the beauties of prayer. A couple of things uh, on my mind uh, to keep in prayer. I want to pray for Seth and Carissa. That was the young couple that we went to the wedding. Oh, it was a beautiful wedding. Uh, it was just a beautiful wedding. And they wrote their own vows. And they were just, there's nothing against, if you say the vows that are in the book, it's perfectly fine. They're still good vows. But the things they said to each other were from their heart. Were from their heart. And you could just hear it as we sat in the, sat in the group. It was, it was beautiful. So I want us to pray for Seth and Carissa. 
I want us to pray for uh, all young people in our world who are wondering what kind of a world they're in the process of inheriting. Uh, we usually like to pass off things better than we receive them. I'm just not so sure my generation's all that good at that, apparently. <laughs> we are not necessarily handing off a better place than we received. Um, however, we're servants, we're going to trust God, and we're going to love, and that's the best we've got, and hopefully we'll turn a corner. I want us to pray for the world we live in and the young adults in it, and what promise and beauty they all hold. I want us to pray for David. David came home from the hospital yesterday, then went and had, uh, well, from the rehab center yesterday, then went to go and have dialysis. He was exhausted from dialysis. He came home, couldn't get up the stairs, collapsed in the front yard, went back in the ambulance to the hospital. But then, after they got his potassium balance, he came back home again. So uh, David and Donnie are on a roller coaster ride. That's, uh, that is called life. Uh, but let's be keeping uh, David and Donnie in our prayers. David's actually with us on, online. I saw him say hello a little while ago. Um, but let's keep them in our prayers. It's a big world. There's a lot of things going on. It's like a, this little thing we call a pandemic that seems to be still lingering. And I want us to pray in the midst of that um, for healing and hope in our world. Because I believe by God's grace and power and our hands, eyes, feet, mouthpieces, and ears that the world might be better as God uses us to change that which is before us. Let's take a moment in silent prayer. I'll pray out loud for us, and then we'll pray the Lord's Prayer. A version of it will be on the screen behind me, but pray it in the language you know it, uh, in the version you know it. And you know what? I'm okay with that, and I'm absolutely sure God is too. Could we enter into a moment of silent prayer together? God, we stand before you, and in our hearts, we do our best to stand naked before you. To stand before you vulnerable and in recognition that you love us not because we did something to earn it, but because you do. You just do. We try to know what Jesus knew, that is, that the choice is ours, that we came from you, and that we will return to you. In fact, we're in the process of returning to you even now. And that we stand before you with opportunities to serve, but it requires us to strip away all pretense, all the things that stand between us and you. And we know that's the hard work of following you. 
Because we're good at pretense. We're good at postures other than being on our knees. We're pretty good at posturing and puffing up, looking serious. God, we're so sorry. We see the model that you modeled for us in your son, the model who emptied himself, poured himself out for us, gave his life in service to you, to us, and ultimately died, executed, criminal of the state, abandoned by all but the women, on that cross. Lord, as we stand before you now, we ask that you'd help us because we can't do this by ourselves. We need your guidance within. We need your strength within, your invitation and the discipline to follow through. We need that. So we do need your help. And the reminder that we are infinitely loved even when we fail. Help us to persevere, to press forward, to love you with all that we are and all that we have. Lord, we thank you for the example of Jesus, as hard as it is to follow. And we thank you for the prayer he modeled for us that we pray together each Sunday and now, saying, Our Father in heaven, holy is your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as in heaven. Give us today our daily bread. Forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. Save us from the time of trial and deliver us from evil. For the kingdom, the power, and the glory are yours now and forever. Amen.